Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. So as you guys, I'm sure by now, um, know, Advent is a, has a really special place for me um, in the journey towards Christmas. Christmas has always been... Uh, for me, uh, uh, it, an encouraging time, even, even, you know, with some, some of the, I was thinking about how, um, when we're young, Christmas is all bright and shiny and, and gifts and, um, at least not for, maybe not for all of us, but for many. Um, and as we get older, as we journey through life, uh, um, there are scars that kind of creep into this time, um, you know, perhaps we encounter difficult, challenging things in the Christmas season, and those feel particularly painful sometimes. Maybe we lose people that we love close to this time. And and so these scars kind of come forward with us. But there is something that remains powerful for me in, in reflecting on the Christmas season, and Advent in particular, the journey there. And um, one of the things that I'm really grateful for in the Advent season is that it is so very comfortable with reality. Um, it doesn't have to gloss over anything. Advent, um, as, as we've reflected um, before, you know, Advent is well equipped to handle the difficult things. It's, it's made for the nighttime, right? And, uh, and so I just, I'm really, I'm really grateful for it. But I'm also grateful that it is... Um, it, it has a trajectory. It has a well-established trajectory. It moves towards the light. It moves towards an increase. It moves towards the fulfillment of the promises of God. It's not just about reflecting on what God has said, but, but truly and well and truly anticipating, um, uh, remembering that he has come and anticipating the promises that come along with that. And so there's just a lot to love about it. Um, I'm going to more or less read uh, just something I was reflecting on in my journal here as the morning reflection. Probably read in and around this a little bit, but I partially because this is going to keep me short, which is a help. I need anything that helps uh, me with my time uh, is probably a helpful tool. Um, but I was really reflecting in some ways, not just on this being the fourth Sunday of Advent, um, but also the fact that we are, um, we're right on the edge, the precipice, if you will, of winter solstice of winter. Tomorrow is the first day of winter. Yay! Is everyone really excited about that? Um, maybe a few of us, you know, winter sport freaks but i i suspect that this year in particular winter maybe has a certain in particular and, and unique edge to it and so I was, I was reflecting on this a little bit so i'm just gonna read if that's okay <clears throat> today is the fourth sunday of advent and and it's the day before the winter solstice tomorrow morning at 5.02 a.m. precisely, we will be as far away from the sun as we 
as we get to be in the course of our journey around it in the year. Winter solstice has a precise has a precise measurement. There's a time where we are the furthest from our source of life and light. That's interesting to me. I've never contemplated that before. And so tomorrow will give us the least light of any day we experience in the year. It's not exactly good news, is it? Winter is, is it doesn't hit us as being good news. But here's an idea that I think is beautiful and I've never thought of before. Winter, in fact, is entirely about good news. Because winter is actually entirely about marching resiliently back towards the light. Every single day in winter, the light increases. It does not diminish. Every single day of winter, we get more light than the day we had before it. It's marching back towards the light. Winter is leading us towards the growing season. There's a promise of harvest built into it because we get closer to the sun every single day. The winter solstice tomorrow is actually the turn of the tide. It's not the beginning of the end. It's the turning of the tide. You know, it, winter is a dormant season. But something that is powerful, and I don't want us to mistake and to lose, is that the, the promises and the purposes of God grow and develop in dormant and even completely forgotten and undocumented seasons. The purposes of God are slow. They often advance at a glacial pace. But the metaphor doesn't stop there. They, the promises of God also come to us with the transformative power of a glacier as well. The Christmas event, the birth of Jesus, was a profoundly significant moment in, in our human story and in God's divine story, too. The first Christmas morning, whenever that actually took place, whatever season that actually took place, and whatever year that actually took place, and we don't really know for sure, but we know that it had some fanfare. There were angels that were singing, choirs of angels. Well, what we know is that there was a host of, of angels that were proclaiming. Interestingly, we don't know if angels actually sing. That's a total aside and not part of my reflection. But there was fanfare, right? There was a little bit of attention. But then... We know very little about the 30-odd years that follow between Jesus' birth and his arrival on the scene at the River Jordan to get baptized by his cousin. There's just not a lot of information. Luke and Matthew, they give us some teases. They tell us a little bit, a little bit, of, just a couple of snapshots. But for the most part, 
the upbringing, the growth and nurture and maturing of, of Emmanuel, of God with us, it happens in between the sentences of the scriptures. It happens in obscurity. It happens in the dormant parts of, of scripture. The dormant parts in the, of the parts of the narratives of the gospels. A, a really simple reading of the gospels and unthoughtful approach to the life story of Jesus. It's almost like he emerges all of a sudden out of the blue, fully articulated, focused and clear eyed as the Messiah of God. And it's meaningful and important and understandable that the gospel writers were, they just wanted to get to the point. They wanted to get to the good stuff. They had an important message to tell. But for our purposes today on this fourth Advent Sunday, when we light this love candle, I want to take the liberty of actually calling those authors of the gospels just a little bit hasty, maybe just a little bit impatient because for Mary and for Joseph and for that little family, Jesus' story was, was everything that happened before the last three years of his life. I, I promise you that Mary's remembrances and thoughts of Jesus were full of the story of his, of his life in those 30 or so years before he became a public figure and stepped into his ministry. It was everything that happened before those last world-changing three years of his life. And there's a word that we can see, and it's written clearly on Mary's face. We don't even need much of an imagination, do we? We, we, hear, it in, we hear it in the text that Liv read this morning. We, we see it in her concern for her son. We certainly see it on her face. Um, as she contemplated him on the cross. The word is love. Love is a, is a sustaining, nurturing force. And it's not just present in the remarkable beginning and ending and new beginning of the life of our Lord. But love is also present through the long, dormant, obscure season of his growing out of the public eye. And so this year, as we stare down what is no doubt going to be a long, a long winter. Um, I want to recall the passage that I think will equip us to, to hold on patiently, like Mary and Joseph did. Taking courage from what is an almost imperceptibly slow creep of a lengthening day into the dark of our winter. 
And so I'm going to read a passage. It's a very famous passage from 1 Corinthians for, uh, chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not provoked. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so here this morning, our last sort of live gathering space of 2020, as we close this, this part of our gathering, I want to be reminded of and to remind us together, together collectively that the love that's described here is the love of God. It's the love of the God that that is God. It's, it's the, the love that is God. The love that is God in flesh, our Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God with us. So with that, friends, and particularly for those who are maybe just tuning in on Facebook and YouTube, say Amen, Merry Christmas, have a happy new year. We are going to reconvene. Um, we're going to reconvene. I don't have the date in front of me, but the very first uh, Jan um, Sunday of January, whatever that is, the third or something. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you then. I do, again, just want to encourage you to take in, um, if you get a chance, uh, providing a reflection on Christmas Eve and, and, of course, on the 27th and a week from now. So. Bless you guys, and um, if you're checking out now, um, be well. We'll see you in the new year. Merry Christmas.